Good morning, Spiritual Charlotte. This is episode 46, and um, I am your host, Kendall Heath, and today we have an awesome, awesome, awesome opportunity to interview my co-host and co-founder of uh, our organization, Lighthouse Spiritual Center, Debbie Chisholm. And so I'm so excited because Debbie and I spent June, July, August, September, October building our organization here in downtown Mooresville. And what that meant for our work is that our work sort of had to um, take a back seat and just kind of happen quietly as an undercurrent to all the other ways that we are um holding space for people to, you know, come and do what they do and what they are experts in here at Lighthouse and get everybody started and get the ball rolling. And so, um, and of course, the Spiritual Charlotte podcast is about having a conversation with the community and really focusing on everybody else who is doing this important spiritual and healing work in our extended family. And so I think that we've decided for November that we're going to actually start talking about what we do. Um, I think that will bring some clarity. You know, a lot of people in our community know us, but do they really know us? And um, it's just time to come out there. Um, you know, a lot of our work comes from referrals. Actually, I had Ed Carlton. I was on his radio show last week, Psychic Medium Ed. And, you know, he mentioned you know, you don't really market yourself. Um, and he said, I didn't even know, you know, what you did until, what you really did until recently. And I said, well, that's been kind of by default and also purposeful because obviously whenever you're going to create community, you are, you're making room for everybody. But it's time, it's that time to do what we do in a public way. And so um, today I have the opportunity to help you guys to get to know Debbie, who also happens to be my closest friend. Um, and, you know, people will say to me sometimes, um, I would love to, to get to know Debbie better. She's, she's quiet, you know, and then, and I'm always laughing hysterically to myself at this because I know that <laughs> it's one of the classic case of, she seems quiet. <laughs> Now, maybe comparatively, maybe they're thinking between, comparatively with you and her, she seems very quiet. Um, but Debbie is certainly one of those people that once you get to know her and understand um, what drives her spiritual journey and where she focuses her work, there's just a lot of clarity about why you would want to work with her. So, without pomp and circumstance... <laughs> Introducing my co-host, Debbie Chisholm. Hi, Kendall. <laughs> you know what? Uh, How does it feel to have a, sh a whole show that's going to be about you and your work? Um, it's a little scary, a little intimidating, a little exciting. Um, there's curiosity and some freedom involved and yeah. a little bit of deer in the headlights look, too. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a kind of a combination of things. Well, I think what what we can do is treat it like we're playing. We're just playing and we're just talking and we're letting people see the inside um, a little more clearly. 
our website is a monster and it and when I say that I, I just say that it's so multi-layered and how you can discover what what lighthouse is mm -hmm. which again lighthouse spiritual center is the home base of the spiritual Charlotte podcast so you know we've built this multi-layered site so people can really understand all the different components so they can go on there and read under the one-on-one -on -one services they can read about almost all of what you do but mm -hmm. but some of it we're still working on mm -hmm. but but more than more than starting there i would like to just let people in on your spiritual lineage a little bit about your story a little bit about your motivation for being uh, my partner in crime and being um, your own um, sovereign creator of all this gorgeous stuff that we do so Let's start at the beginning. <laughs> it's a very good place to start. <laughs> we didn't bring the bell in here. <laughs> Darn it. So, okay. Um, let's start with just you, the beginnings of the whole spiritual path for you. Because people mm -hmm. who have maybe been to our workshops have heard that, mm -hmm. but not everybody has heard it. So... Let's take a deep breath. <laughs> Put on your seatbelt, people. <laughs> um, where did this Where did this happen? Where did this start for you? Going from maybe being um, non non aware, non awake, non spiritual, going through the motions to moving into this way of life. Well, this is really interesting because. Um... I don't think about these things a whole lot until you get asked the question and then certain things start popping into your head. And I was in accounting for 23 years. I was a single mom. I took care of my own mother at the same time. So full plate of regular living is how I'm going to describe it. Just regular living. And um, I've always been um, a voracious reader. And at some point um, in that whole scheme that whole time I learned about Sylvia Brown who was a psychic who was on TV she was on Montel Williams and all this kind of stuff and I didn't really know her from that I just knew her from books and started reading things about past lives and um, being on the other side and angels and all this kind of thing and and I remember being like oh this makes sense to me totally makes sense to me because at that point in time in my life, I mean, I had been raised in Presbyterian church, but, um, diverted from that when I was about 15 or 16 and walked away from any kind of religious or spiritual teachings whatsoever. And at that point I couldn't even say the word God. So I was, you know, very to the extreme the pendulum had swung, you know, way away from center. And, um, so as I began reading things, um, then little intuitive hits started to happen for me. And there was just this deep knowing slash desire that I had psychic abilities and that there was something very familiar about the things that she was teaching and talking about, but I just thought it was kind of this far off thing. I started reading Celestine Prophecy. Um, and then I picked up another, not oh, and I was reading Conversations with God that whole entire series, um, which is channeling. Um, but it's not talked of as channeling, um, but that's what it is. And just felt very at home with those texts. But I didn't know what to do with it. 
It was just still kept close to my heart. I didn't talk to anybody about it except for my best friend at the time. Um, and you know, you just I just kept plotting along day to day. So over the course of time, um, you know, life happens. And um, through some conversations with my mom and sharing some of the teachings that I was learning, um, there were things that I shared with her that actually she brought to fruition or proved for me after she passed. I don't know that I've ever shared this with you, Kendall, because I wasn't even on my consciousness until just now. But she and I had a love of numbers with accounting. And so after she passed, um, between the reading and the accounting, which were two shared things, she came to me through numbers on the adding machine, through numbers on receipts, and it would be a combination of our two birthdays. She would um, have me choose a bookmark out of the drawer, and I had oodles of them, but she'd have me pick one that had a particular saying on it that was her speaking to me. Um, That proved to me that there was another side, that what, what I was talking to her about was true, was accurate, and that just kind of really um, gave me a lot of confidence moving forward. So um, several years after she passed, um, my, my best friend is 17 years. She um, took her life. And after a period of time where I was just kind of in fight and survival mode, um, I got to a point in my life where I couldn't face another 23 years in accounting I couldn't face I just couldn't face that that business world in that in that regard and I was feeling very spiritually and emotionally depleted and quit my job and I started a pilgrimage an inner pilgrimage through um, some courses and some classes and I was um, very much drawn to food nutrition at the time and took an eating psychology coaching certification class, a six-month class. Maybe, no, it's a 10-month class. And the most um, surprising part of that whole curriculum was the spiritual component. And that really lit me up. And then I, I realized, oh, I, there is a place for me and I can have these conversations and I can be spiritual in business. And, um, and it just led me to um, more soul searching Mm -hmm. and more following my heart in terms of being interested then in energy work. And, um, I've lost track. (laughs) Okay. I'm still on track. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I know you are. Okay. (laughs) So, so, so let me, let me recap a little bit. So, uh, you come to a point where you're reading and this is more like a hobby and an interest that's forming. Mm -hmm. And then, and I think it's hilarious that I've never realized that the same books mm-hmm. were both of our, we were both introed almost the same way with <laughs> Sylvia Brown. Isn't that funny? Yeah. I didn't ever put that together. Um, so you're reading and then you are, um, then your mom passes and some of those things you're learning are confirmed. Mm-hmm. And then you're, you're, um, you go through the body as far as you start there first mm-hmm. so with nu- nutrition and wellness, mm-hmm. which I think is common, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, your best friend passes, Mm -hmm. which obviously takes you through like a dark night of the soul. Mm -hmm. Had you started studying energy work before then or afterwards? Mm -hmm. That was after. Okay. Yeah. And so afterwards, um, kind of in the the loss, 
What happens in the middle of the loss, you know, dealing with the death of Joanne, mm-hmm. your friend, um, how does that play a role in you ultimately deciding to do energy work or, or the spiritual journey at that time? What, what happens at that time? You know, I went, I went through um, this period of feeling very alone, very abandoned, um, uh, future dreams shattered. Um, my foundation was gone. So there was just a lot of instability. And, and in all truth, you know, I was very depressed. And I, probably most people in my situation would have gone to the psychiatrist or the psychologist, probably been prescribed medication and gone through counseling and things like that. And I've always been averse to that, um, to medication and things like that. And so I just kind of dug in and um, pulled in the spirituality. I just started following my heart in terms of what was speaking to me and listening to even just concepts about how we create our own reality mm-hmm. and um, through the choices that we make. And that some of the choices that um, I was hinging my future dreams on were the stories I was telling myself. Um, and at that point, I did reach out for help with someone who actually does EFT, emotional freedom technique. That was very new to me, but there was something about this woman's website, and she's here in Charlotte. And um, I went, and it was a very powerful experience for me because she actually spoke to me in spiritual language, which my heart really, really needed. And I didn't even realize I was so starving for it mm. until I opened the door a crack to receive it. Does EFT then open the door for the the desire the this idea about doing energy work or where does that come into play? No, I just through um you know, hopping online and looking at books in, in particular topics. So, you know, things about psychic stuff will come up and then energy work, will, you know, someone bought this book and they bought this book and this book too, like on Amazon. And so I was introduced to lots of different titles and ideas and things that were out there. And I was very drawn to reading various energy books and the pathways of emotions and how their energy, and that's probably how the energy conversation started with me because of, uh, of emotions. And then I, I, was feeling very drawn to energy work, um, but I really couldn't focus on, I just, I wanted spirit, I wanted God to say, okay, do this. Here, do this. This is what you're supposed to do, do this. And um, I had had some help from some friends (laughs) who said, you know, told me what they saw and it made totally sense for me. And so, um, so then I stepped into and got some Reiki training and in reality, the training was really a remembering of something that I had known a long time ago, knew deeply, and um, so it was basically a reignition mm-hmm. of a memory mm-hmm. to step in and practice again. And that's kind of where my personal journey has flowed to, is that each successive thing that I kind of bring on board as a skill set um, or knowledge base it's a, it's a remembering, it's a reawakening of something that I have experienced, learned, have the wisdom from, from prior lifetimes, prior experience. And um, what's exciting about this particular lifetime is that all these things are 
coming online all at the same time, which is hugely powerful. Yeah. For me personally, right. on a personal level. So you felt, I know that you like to work more with people one-on-one than Mm -hmm. you do say teaching groups or leading workshops or that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, was the, was the energy work kind of, was that part of why it resonated with you so fully? Cause you see, okay, there's an emotional pathway in the body. There's an energetic relationship that is contributing to physical symptoms. Mm -hmm. Um, this is a spiritual language. This is something that involves the work of of the heart and the energy field Mm -hmm. was it also that you could work this was probably the most accessible way for you to work one-on-one with people Mm -hmm. was that part of it um all except for the last thing I really didn't know at that time that working one-on-one was necessarily what I wanted to do I you know I had always been interested in psychology and counseling in terms of people come to me when they have problems so I kind of sit in that personal space with people uh-huh. um, and that's why I went through the eating psychology training to be a coach that way but that was not a fulfilling way for me me to interact with people but the conversation around um, emotions and the energy pathways in the body and the linkages to the emotions with how they physically present and um, that was extremely interesting for me and it wasn't until I actually started practicing Reiki that then some of the other intuitive gifts started started flowing and it was kind of a surprise for me because I'm getting information when I lay hands on a client I, I receive information and at the outset I'm thinking I can't say this to this person right but spirit is saying no I need you to say this you're supposed to share this you're supposed to share this <laughs> and so it's been very powerful is that every time that information is relayed and is shared, that there's been resonance for the person receiving and, and additional clarity and healing that can happen when you open a door of understanding. Um, and that's what I find really powerful is working one-on-one with people, is being that bridge, being that channel, being the gatekeeper, and very, there's various terms for it. but. Um, being there in such a way that you can connect them with additional information that they can't connect with at that time doesn't mean they're not capable of it because we're all capable of it. It's um, a development of skills or reignition of skills or remembering of skills. Um, but that's part of my job. I've never heard you say your job so clearly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've said it like that before. <laughs> Well, it it brings awareness to me how important the work that the hands-on touches for your gift to come out in the way that um, it does. Mm-hmm. You know that that using your hands is part of it, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. I know some other intuitive healers in in our area who need to put their hands on somebody, and now I'm making the connection. Well, that's actually how you need to do it as well. Mm-hmm. So. Through our conversations, I know that, not that you've grown past Reiki, because you have, that's not how it works, right. but that Reiki has evolved, and you know I can never pronounce it right, I'm sorry, but that it has evolved into um, more. It's like 
that and then some. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about how your practice has evolved from kind of the basic teachings to some of these other skill sets that you've brought, brought in? Yeah. Well, so Reiki was the base for me. Reiki was um, the gateway for me. And in a lot of um, experience of with my Reiki colleagues, Reiki has been a gateway for them as well to kind of ignite additional skill sets to come on board. It's kind of a, it's a connector. It is, it's a connector and it's, it's an awakening. So, um, so the intuitive work that I do is, I call that service a Reiki plus and it's a full body Reiki treatment. Um, and the plus is the plus intuitive work that happens. And what's happening there is I connect with the high, your higher self and I connect with, um, the higher beings that choose to be there in the moment. And um, I am shown the dominant emotions that are flowing through the body and given information for you to understand where your next door opening for healing is. What's the next step to uh, help you focus on where, where you're going to place your next foot on the journey. So... Um, and most usually it's it's not the place that you you really want to do the work because it's that sticky hard hard part that you don't want to look at. That's why you haven't stepped already, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's you know it's not necessarily a uh, a fun oh wow, I'm going to like a psychic reading where you're going to be told what's going what's going to happen to you in the future. It's not that kind of an intuitive reading. Um but it nonetheless is very informational and very powerful um to help you Know that you have connected with your higher self and connected with the beings that are on the other side of the veil that care deeply for you and your progress. So if it's not that the person's going to receive like like a psychic reading, like you are going to be moving to so-and-so and, -so and this is going to happen with your relationship and all that, the, the intuitive information, is it an insight into some healing work that needs to be done? Mm -hmm. Is that more what it is? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what I might see is that there's a lot of pain in moving forward, let's say. Um, I may not see what it's associated with, or I may see that there's some heartbreak for you and there's some more expression that needs to happen because of where and how I'm sensing it in your body because then I feel it in my body. I then see pictures. I hear words. Um and um where was i going with that yeah so so basically you're just saying that you can experience kind of the 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 emotion that is most wanting to come up and reveal itself mm -hmm. and affirms itself for mm -hmm. for that client mm -hmm. so that they can mm -hmm. say you know what someone else has seen that this is true for me i'm going through this mm -hmm. and it's kind of coming from that intuitive connection that you're able to affirm that yes yes so yeah, so I'm not seeing, well, Joe made you upset and this is why you're feeling in that way. I don't see details like that. Mm -hmm. It's definitely focused on your emotional energy body. Yeah. So is Reiki Plus kind of the next step for somebody after Reiki, the standard? Is it the next step to um, kind of going down the spiritual path if somebody's working with you? It's, it's a, nice, uh, a nice gateway. Um, to kind of experience um, what it's like. Um, Reiki itself is, Reiki without the intuitive is always a wonderful tool to help 
bring relaxation into the body, um, release stress, reduce stress, um, because healing on any level cannot happen when you're in a stress response. And most of us are in a chronic low-level stress response, and we don't even know it because we've accepted it that this is how I feel all the time. Um, so Reiki Plus just adds some additional information while you're still receiving Reiki. So it's, a, it's like a double, a double benefit. And I know I've said to you before, but why would anybody want Reiki when they can get Reiki Plus? <laughs> and you'll say, well, some people, that is all they're ready for. That is all they want. Mm-hmm. Or they need, they need to put their toe in slower. Mm-hmm. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, and I have to say just as a witness that, that, and as a participant too, that there's a, there's a lot of Reiki practitioners. I mean, I think it's something that people can, it's a very accessible form of study that, mm-hmm. that a lot of different people can participate mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. Um, but of all those practitioners that I know, mm-hmm. I'm not so sure that all of them really need to be doing that, you know, mm-hmm. for a living. I mm-hmm. think that, um, there's a way that you, you have a gift for being very calm and having an energy that is really, um, soothing. Mm-hmm. And being able to just listen to somebody and not interject a whole lot of personality into that experience where, where your personality is kind of taking up a lot of energy in a, in a place where that person may need the energy to be clear for them mm-hmm. to be worked on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and not everybody has that same persona mm-hmm. or that same um, energy about them. And so I think that... Even when I when I talked with people, um, you know, even whenever I talk with people who have not, um, you know, have met you briefly, they're kind of saying the same thing. Like Debbie has such a calming presence, and I think that that contributes to those appointments big mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. So, um, what is some of the other services that come after or not necessarily after but what are some of the other services that you're offering to clients when they come to lighthouse well um i also do akashic record reading and i call that soul alignment is what this reading does and uh, there are different Akashic readers as well, and I think we all access the records in a little bit different way. We um, each receive information from the records a different way, and um, when I'm looking at the records, I, I call it soul school. I'm looking at some history that is very specific in answering why you are stuck where you are right now today. So it's not just an open-ended, let's open the records and see what is going to be shared with me on an intuitive level, on a higher consciousness level. What I see are very specific events that will have, that will have the same core choice made mm. in each event, in each lifetime that I'm shown. That is the same core choice that you have still carried forward into this lifetime that is, that is causing um, incongruency in your alignment with your divine blueprint. So um, that information is to help you acknowledge where that problem is so that you can make a new choice. Because as a divine creator, we all have the opportunity for choice. That's our gift. That's our true gift and our responsibility that we create our own reality. So 
So things that are not resolved from past life. So these particular choices, obviously, since they're showing up in this lifetime as, as the same choice, it means that past life residue, the karmic hangover is still there. And in most cases, all it really needs is an acknowledgement that that happened. And then you can make a new choice and it's resolved. Isn't that amazing? It's like years and years and years of carrying this pattern. And if you can just get honest enough and aware mm -hmm. enough to see it, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the healing doesn't have to be years and years and years. Right, right. So, you know, it's kind of like putting that pin on the map. It's like, okay, this is it right here. Let's just focus right here. And, and um, so anyway, so it's, it's more information to help you um, make more congruent choices um, so that you can live in alignment. So in a soul alignment session, is mm -hmm. somebody still, because I know that your Reiki sessions happen on like a massage table mm -hmm. where a person's fully closed and you may or may not be completely laying your hands on the person. Your hands may be in the person's energy field. Mm -hmm. it, does the soul alignment reading set up very similar to that? No, soul alignment reading is actually different. I um, do that reading in private before the client comes. I gather some information from the client specifically. I go into the records with very specific questions. I look at um, past life entity attachments. I look at golden web tears. I look at um, <sighs> contracts and bindings and various things. So there are a lot of questions that I ask. And then I gather the actual specific information where those things have um, originated from. And then I um, type it all up. And then I meet with the client in person or over the phone if they prefer, but um, in person usually works really well. And we spend an hour and we talk about it. We talk about how all these things, all these things that um, have impacted their current decision-making and their, their current experience. Yeah. So, you know, I know mm -hmm. that you, just knowing you, that you have a really um, robust meditation life mm -hmm. for the most part. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously we all fall off of that wagon, mm -hmm. but is soul alignment a, a meditative process? Are you going into deep meditation and asking these specific questions yes. and then kind of chronicling that on paper? Yes. And then with a very intentional session that starts at one point and ends at a at yes. point? Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so um, so that's soul alignment where the, the client mm -hmm. meets with you after mm -hmm. and you get to review what has happened mm -hmm. in that meditative mm -hmm. deep process, right? Yeah. And then at that point we can talk about all right, well, how does this, how does this past choice that you've made multiple times, how is it, where are you making that choice today, that kind of a choice today, and how you can choose something different? And so we can kind of problem solve or um, look at ways of, of changing that. So at that point, it's almost like you move into spiritual mentorship. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. See, it's really interesting that we have been together for this long. This is the clearest this has ever come out of your mouth. I'm like, the bells are just ringing for me left and right. I'm like, I'm like I guess I just should have asked her this question before. And not that, and not that you don't put this stuff down beautifully on paper, but but but. The delineation today on air is very clear mm -hmm. from one service to the next. Mm -hmm. So let's keep walking through that a okay. little bit because okay. um, what is um, a fourth service that you offer? Okay, so um, I do something called a, a chakra smudge or a shamanic chakra smudge. 
And this service, it combines uh, master energy work, because I do more energy work than just Reiki. I work with something called Shechem energy, which is high love energy. Um, so there's a combination of hands-on healing, there's crystal work, there's sound, there's plant smudging, there's light language, there's prayer, there's connection with angelic hosts and ascended masters. And this is an energetic bath to clear and uplift the energetic disturbances, um, negativity or stagnation in the mind, the body, and the spirit. So in the service, um, and again, the client's laying down. We're on a, on the, on a pallet on the floor though, is, and instead of up on a raking table. So the, that's a little different. But I go into a very deep meditative state and to be able to connect. Um, and that's part of the shaman work is being that bridge um, and connecting uh, this world with the other. And um, so in this in the service, uh, the chakras are opened, they're cleared, they're infused with high consciousness energy, and then they're righted in their spin. So the debris or the, sl the sludge that's removed is ultimately a releasing of an energetic layer um, to help support the body to be a clear channel to receive. So let me ask you a couple things about this because I'm hearing like a combination of some of the things we've already talked about. Mm -hmm. But I'm also hearing that there's a shamanic component mm -hmm. that um, kind of differentiates this. It's like um, my question would be, a couple questions like why is it better to do this on the on a pallet on the floor mm -hmm. is there some kind of ritual involved that that kind of helps the shaman side of the shaman side of this um uh, be a more significant bridge between worlds i mean tell me tell me a little more, more about that mm -hmm. um well let me say this first is that in in understanding shaman work priestess work, light work. It's very similar work. A priest or a priestess is someone who helps you connect with the other side. So in very traditional terms in the church, mm -hmm. that's what a priest is. Mm -hmm. He's mm -hmm. the, he's the interme intermediary, mm -hmm. right? Okay, so... Um, our culture doesn't have priestesses, technically, in popular culture, but they're here. We're here. Mm -hmm. Shamans do the same thing. Um, lightworkers do the same thing. They're connecting you with the other realms. So um, I think some of uh, the differentiation is just in um, the comfort level or the resonance of the practitioner. Um to what makes sense to them, what feels right to them, what their path is. So for me, there's there's some priestess work that happens, um, but the shaman approach to it um, with the connection with earth and the elements and um, very native uh, tools um, just really speaks to me. So um, being on a pallet on the floor, a lot of these things are, I call them divine downloads. This is where I get my direction from. A lot of this stuff does not come out of a book. It does not come from a teaching from a specific person. Mm -hmm. But it comes from when I am connected 
um, in the deep meditation and I'm connected and this is what spirit tells me to do. They show me what to do. They have me do it on myself first. And then it's like, it's like being tapped on the head with Tinkerbell's wand. It's like, ding, okay, here you go. This is what we want you to do and this is what you're gonna call it. that the reason why we're doing what we're doing is actually because divinely we've been told this is how we're supposed to do it. Right, right. But um, one thing I, that I do know is so unique to you is um, that when you go into meditation, you're very faithful to the messages that come through for you there. Mm-hmm. Like when I was thinking about faith earlier this morning, actually, ironically, and I was thinking about the way that faith shows up in people's lives. I was thinking about how faithful you are to what comes through to you in med- meditative process, mm-hmm. almost like without question. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, and in that way, I do see how that would be very shamanic. I do see how, if we look at the medicine people from early times, if we look at pre-book, pre-paper, pre-print cultures, mm-hmm. you know, oral cultures. If we look at um, uh, ancient civilization, mm-hmm. um, especially, I mean, that's pretty much how a large percentage of information was gathered, I would say. Mm-hmm. So, and in addition to story and all that type of thing. So, mm-hmm. so what I hear you saying is that is that although everybody may be doing something similar, that there's probably a path that has some practices and some language and some... Um, some ways about it that will in particular resonate with mm-hmm. person A mm-hmm. and a different one for person mm-hmm. B. Mm-hmm. And that it won't mean that any path is superior to the other. It's just that at this stage mm-hmm. in your soul and your life, this is really speaking to you. Correct. And so this mm-hmm. is how you're trying to integrate the information and then put it into your work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the shamanic chakra smudge... Um, is a very clear incorporation of that line of practice. Is mm-hmm. that the case? Well, it, you know, it has some of the, the traditional native things, you know, with the smudging and um, the deconnection with beings on the other side and the sound, the sound healing. Um, because I use instruments and I also use recorded sound as well. But then there really is some, there's some other stuff in there. There's some priestess kind of stuff with the crystals. Um, There is prayer. Um, And there is connection with angelic hosts. Um, And there's light language as well. So it really is, it's a combination of a lot of things. Um, But it is, it's, it is just a way to clear your chant, your chakras. So you can replenish your energy and support your entire well-being. So um, the chakra smudge by using burning sage. So in traditional cultures, you can clear space, excuse me, clear energy into space, and you can clear energy in the body as well. So the smudging in this particular case combined with the Reiki and the other energetic tools help support the entire process. So I'm ready to make an appointment. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while. You were, mean, you were the very first person to receive the chakra smudge. Yes, it was quite a journey, I must say. 
Um, let me ask you, because I think this is a good stage to ask you about your, your thoughts and feelings about, about tools, that tools that are used in the healing community um, and the spiritual community. I know that you um, are intrigued by tools. I know that you use tools. I know that um, you have this fascinating collection of whatchamahoozies over in your <laughs> in your office. <laughs> and so <laughs> I think I just took one of your words. Um, but, you know, whether it's um, feathers or um, wands or stones or um, herbs or, um, you know, I have found little gifts from nature that, um, that I would really love to have in my office but I but I've come to you like like a dog at the door being like I found a moth for you <laughs> like love me <laughs> and you'd be like oh thank you for the moth I'm like no you can only borrow it <laughs> then, you're, then you're like I'll just put it in a case right here for the rest of eternity <laughs> so there's obviously there's obviously some um, you know some some intrigue and relationship with tools. What is your feeling about tools in this community? So let me let me say something about the tools. Like all the tools that you just mentioned, they're all forms of energy. Plain and simple. And so when you're when you're working with energy, when you are um, in relationship with energy. Those tools help the process because they're additional layers of energy. Is there any way that any of them are shitey energy? <laughs> <laughs> Is it possible <laughs> that this energy shall not pass? <laughs> <laughs> well, let me say this too: is that so? There is ceremony and ritual. So when you choose the shamanic path or a priestess path or you combine the two there's elements that you're combining of the two which is really where I am right now and I'm not the only one you know experiencing this um that there is ceremony and there is ritual I think that's that's an honoring it's an honoring of your own experience in terms of what you're bringing and, and your, um, your commitment and your faithfulness to what you were doing in service with the person that you were in service to. It's, um, it's an, an acknowledgement and an honoring. And so I think the client then too feels that as well. The um, angelic beings, the ascended masters, any beings across the other side of the veil they see that and i then i think they truly understand and believe your commitment to what you're doing that's how i see it that's a good perspective i mean it really is it's interesting because um you know i'm not as much a tool person mm -hmm. and it's insightful to see like why would somebody be more more that more of that way what what is the belief there um so i'm i think it's i appreciate that perspective mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the shamanic chakra smudge, which is what we just talked about, is mm -hmm. kind of a clearing. You call it an energetic bath mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. where, you're, where you're combining some different paths. And so um, what is a fifth service that you offer? Um, do a shamanic healing circle as well. And this is um, an experiential healing opportunity 
for couples or families in conflict or pain. So, you know, here at Lighthouse, we do a lot of one-on-one services. And in the metaphysical and in the intuitive field, I don't honestly know of any, um, anyone who is doing this kind of work but applying it to families or couples. Um, and I feel that there's need there, that there is a way to um, guide the family or the couple into um, a shamanic journey, which is um, kind of like a guided meditation process where there's a little ceremony involved as well um, after stating an intention for the healing that is being sought and guiding them through that experience so that each person who journeys in that circle can then come back to the circle when the journey's over and have new insights and new awarenesses to bring back to the circle for the good of the circle, for the good of the family or the unit that's there present needing the healing. It kind of reminds me of like a group sweat lodge without the sweat lodge, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Um, And it certainly makes me think, why is that practice not more common? Mm-hmm. I imagine that if, if you come to um, an experience with a group from the ego mind, mm-hmm. then the conflict could be, how am I going to be able to, me as Debbie, mm-hmm. going to be able to channel or do intuitive work for multiple people at once? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would probably be like the ego being activated because mm-hmm. really like you, Debbie, are not the one doing, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you're just kind of facilitating what's going to happen there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that? Yeah, or? yeah, I do agree with that. And um, and I think it's important to empower the individual that they can connect to the answers, the higher wisdom. Um, they can connect to their higher self. They can connect to Um, It could be a spirit guide. It could be somebody that maybe they communicate with on a regular basis through an intuitive channel, but haven't even asked the question, how do I or what can I change in this relationship or what can I do differently to create healing in this unit where we're we're struggling with pain or conflict of some kind. And you're right, it it removes the ego out of the process. So instead of... um, five people in a family sitting together in a circle and arguing or dealing with hurt feelings or the pain on a very um, human level, they can kind of go to a safe place, a deeper place where they can connect with higher wisdom and, um, or at least create the door, that opening, that opportunity for that to happen in a safe way and come back and share information. And then a lot of times there's just tremendous healing that happens when a new key is inserted into the lock and everybody's kind of like, oh, wow, that makes so much sense. I never would have thought of that. Are you offering some spiritual mentorship at the close of that experience? Are yes. You, so you're helping to identify yes. the primary things you've seen come up there? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. And... Um, so that's your group work. And yeah. then what is, I know there's a couple other things that you you really specialize in and where your heart is right now at Lighthouse. Yeah, yeah. So one uh, really quick one to talk about is just house blessings. And this is, this is kind of a fun thing for me. Um, but, you know, spaces need energetic renewal and blessings just like people do. Um, a house has a spirit. And 
many times when I go in to do a house blessing, the house talks to me. The house will communicate with me. And um, so there's information sometimes that I can pass to the homeowner. Um, sometimes it's just a, uh, an opportunity for me to communicate with the house and let the house know that, that everything's going to be okay. Um, but it is, it's, uh, it's just, it's a great little service that allows you to, um, update and revive, clear away the energetic dust bunnies in a home, whether it's a new to you home or it's your existing home, you know, sometimes after a divorce or after a death, if you're still in the same home and some of these things have transpired or the emotionality of it has transpired within the walls of your home, that energy can hang out there. I do, I call them energetic dust bunnies. And they need to be cleared. You know, I think that I can hear somebody being like, "Oh my God, she she talks to houses." You know, I can hear I can hear this right. Well, that and like twelve other comments, right? Depending on where the person is who's listening. Right. But I think that one of the things that I'm connecting with, and and normally do connect with about your work, is that the level of faith and commitment that you bring to that practice, that level of faith, intention, commitment that is brought to the practice makes all the difference in the efficacy of the practice, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so because I believe that we create our realities and we create, um, that we tap into kind of like this um, endless creative river sort of of what is possible, mm -hmm. that if you bring a level of belief and faith and commitment and intention to a practice, then why would it not tap into the efficacy of the practice? Mm -hmm. You know, why would it not? Um, and I think the hard thing for people who stand outside of metaphysical community, also beware that you could flash off our um, radio show the more you tap on that mm. ridiculous computer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... You know, I think that, that people who are outside of metaphysical uh, world, who don't buy into it, who don't, um, who think it's uh, hogwash, for lack of a better term, um, that on a very basic level, that there is not an understanding or a belief in us as being creators of reality. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's even a religious or not religious but spiritual concept of god that god is always creating itself based on what we are we are creating so that god is ever evolving because what we create is ever evolving and vice versa that, that it's an organic organism that continues reality continues to birth itself and there's not a pre-prescribed reality that mm -hmm. is already set in stone and mm -hmm. so you know, I think about people outside of, of these belief systems, that would be something that they probably wouldn't, that'd be a basic understanding that is not present. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think also, unfortunately, there are have been so many charlatans of this type of work, um, and always will be, people who um, claim to um, do their work with great integrity or claim that they are able to do certain things that they just aren't able to do. And, um, and that that lack of integrity has really, um, been a disadvantage for everybody who comes to these practices 
with the level of faith and commitment and intention that you come to it with. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think that's a very difficult subject to, to grapple with within this whole conversation. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, if a person themselves is not evolved enough in their relationship with the possibilities of reality to be able to not work with other people as intermediaries or as assistants and they can just like they're they're not evolved enough just to do the work by themselves of and in themselves Mm -hmm. whether that's intuitive work psychic work healing work energetic work and and I think it can be difficult for a person who doesn't feel they have access to that that type of ability Mm -hmm. to trust that someone else does, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes it can feel like an either or, like, well, you're the one with the ability. I am not the one with the ability. Therefore, I must partner with you for the ability. Mm-hmm. And and is that not kind of like going back to old days where we had to go through the priests to get to the kingdom? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's a real struggle there that people, you know, I think it's sometimes very hard to find a practitioner that is 100% who and what they say they are in their work every day, every time they arrive to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can see why a lot of people can't cross the bridge into metaphysical world for that reason. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts about, about that? Well, the first thing that came to mind was that at the base, at the core of energy work, and this is in reference to you saying, well, are we kind of going backwards in terms of having to have an intermediary? Where humanity has devolved to in believing that um, that they do not have direct connection to source, that they do believe that they have to have an intermediary. When you begin the energy work and and when you're on the receiving end of that direct connection of the energy work, and you begin affecting their physical experience through the energy, the energy body, the physical body, that when that starts to happen and the stress gets reduced, the body comes online, that's when, how do I say this? Keys of Enoch calls it membranes. That's when successive membranes of consciousness become available to you Hmm. so that's awakening that's ascension so as as the 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 nature of your energy system and i truly believe science is going to be the champion of spirituality i really do i don't know if it'll happen in our lifetime but those conversations are already happening so to talk in scientific terms about the energy body that like the physics of what's happening when, when everything is vibrating and in alignment and behaving like it's supposed to, like it's intended to, like it's designed to, those channels open up. That awakens or opens up your own connection too. And so the, um, the residue of the uh, misunderstandings, 
fades away. So some of the veils start coming off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another reason why I believe Reiki and energy work like that. It's a gateway. These are tools to help empower the people that I'm in service to. It's not that I expect them to come to me every month for the rest of their lives. That is not the intent with these services. Mm -hmm. The intent with my, my being in service to them is to help flip that light switch over and over again at whatever layers and times they need a little human support because we are in community and we all need one another. Mm-hmm. I need the services you provide. I need the services John down the street provides, you know, whether whether it's a clerk at the grocery store or the garbage man or whoever. We we all have things that we um I don't want to say are experts in, but something that we we bring to the table. And it takes all of us. It does. It takes all of us. Yeah. So I I love how, so what I'm hearing you say is that it's like, because there's been, as human beings, we have devolved away from spiritual connection. Mm-hmm. And that's with, you know, whatever, obsession with technology, obsession with success, obsession mm-hmm. with um, having to make it, with all of the things that make life a life, um, that there is some assistance that is needed now that perhaps was maybe not needed at one time in human history Mm -hmm. that will help to remind us, return us back to open us back up to, um, and and it's actually a scientific energetic process that, Mm -hmm. that you feel at some point and even today already is being, we can see this Mm -hmm. and and there's some ways to measure this reopening Mm -hmm. of the, Mm -hmm. of the energy bodies and the soul and all Mm -hmm. that. So, Mm -hmm. And so the tools that I utilize, I mean, there are all kinds of tools out there. Reiki is but one of many tools. Um, the light language that I use, that is but one of many tools. And we haven't even really talked about that yet. But just like a, uh, an artist needs medium, they need different kinds of paints, they need different kinds of paintbrushes, they need different kinds of canvases or paper. They're all tools. And we all get to pick which tools resonate or work for the kind of picture that we want to create for ourselves right okay this is really juicy i'm so glad we're actually finally putting this on air (laughs) so let's talk a little bit about the light language because the light light language is its own show or series of shows Mm -hmm. that uh, that um, we need to put out Mm -hmm. but let's talk about you've mentioned it in some of the services i know that it shows up for you and many of these services mm-hmm. you can um what is it and how did it start for you if there's a way that we can not go into a whole show about it but kind of briefly introduce it okay so um i'm an energy channel or a light channel so that means that i i channel light or energy in various forms language is one of them and so Light language um, is something that came to me as a child. I shouldn't say it came to me as a child. I came in and spoke it as a child. Didn't remember that I spoke it as a child until I had a reading with someone who shared some information with me. She actually spoke some, spoke some light language for me and it kind of triggered a memory. And and that was just, what, two, two years ago, two and a half years ago. And you and I were at the very beginnings of our friendship. And... Um, Every morning in meditation, 
I kept getting guided. You're supposed to share this with Kendall. You're supposed to share this with Kendall. And I remember you and I had conversations around it. And you're kind of like, well, yeah, I'm pretty open, Debbie, but I'm not so sure what this is going to be. And, and it just didn't happen. And finally, I forced the issue. And we sat in a room together. And um, within about five minutes of me beginning to channel the light language, you were in tears. And you said, don't stop. I remember this. I know this. And so the light language that I channel, and I can't speak for other people's light language. I can speak for my own. It, it is divine conversation. It is um, cosmic conversation. It is energetic in nature. It is three-dimensional in nature. Um, there are geometric codes that come through it. Um, so it's a living, breathing frequency. And there are five different languages that come through on the tongue that I share. And this is something that I completely channel. Um, and I do not have a, an intellectual or co- I should say cognitive understanding of the content that's being channeled. I might have an energetic understanding of what's happening or be shown a slight picture of what's happening. But in order to be a really clear channel, I have to stay focused on just being the channel. And... So my, my understanding uh, for my light language channel is that it, it's a heart light activation to ignite soul memory. So what does that mean? Heart light activation. Um, if you have been in this community very long, you've probably heard words um, like um, light codes, DNA activations, um, ascension tools, these kinds of things. This is what I'm talking about. But the words they used with me was heart light activation. Um, and so it's when you're on the receiving receiving end of it, it's not a cognitive experience for you either. And if there's resonance with you, it's going to be a heart light. It's going to be, you're going to sense it in the heart. You're going to feel it in your body. And it is like flipping a light switch for you. So when light language comes through, Um, My understanding is that it is a combination of the seed languages of our planet, which include which languages? So what comes through for me um, is Hebrew, Tibetan, Sanskrit, Chinese, and... I don't remember. A fifth one, does it have something to do with Egyptian or... Yes, Egyptian. Thank you. Okay. Yep. Um, and it's so interesting because when you when you hear the when you hear light language come from you, you can hear sounds that are clearly from those languages. Whether you've heard a piece on television before or or whatever, and um, and they can be intermingled. Mm-hmm. It's like in any given session, multiple of those sounds are coming through. And there's sounds that the way that you have to form your mouth and the way that you have to form your tongue, mm-hmm. that I think you'd have to be like a genius in linguistics, I guess that would be the field, mm-hmm. to be able to form those if you were not channeling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even just some of the sounds in the in the Hebrew language. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if, if you haven't grown up with that language, it's almost impossible to me in in your regular body to get those sounds correct. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and, you know, as a, as a participant and a witness to light language, um, obviously you and I have been in some study with it. You've been in a, in a more intense study with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
there's been so much information that has come through from the actual channelings because as you said for most people Mm -hmm. there's no cognition Mm -hmm. which is not the case for me Mm -hmm. now this brings me to another thing that I think is really fascinating as you've talked today on the show every single thing that you do seems Mm -hmm. to point back to this thing of soul memory Mm -hmm. it's like if if you were tapped on the head with the uh cosmic wand Mm -hmm. it was like so you're going to come here, and this is what your work's going to be. It's going to be this big line of soul memory, helping people to remember. Mm-hmm. And uh, and there would be something involving an understanding of energy or energetic processes that, that makes that your way of doing that. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like I was tapped with some cosmic wand that, I, that I'll have to think more about what, the, what it is. It could also be soul memory. I don't know. I haven't put that to thought. But it has a lot to do with translation mm-hmm. of ideas, mm-hmm. of words, of dialogue, of emotions, mm-hmm. translating it and wrapping it up into a version that is something more digestible. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. But I think it's so interesting. And and that's the only reason why I think that I get the cognitive piece, right? Mm Because that's part of the wand that I was tapped with. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when we talk about light language, you talk about light language activating. um, You know, I'm like the case study where my own intuitive stuff and my own next level of awakening and bringing stuff out into the world happened in the presence of light language. Mm -hmm. I truly believe that if we had not met and I had not experienced that, I don't know that that, that we'd be sitting here in this building. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's it's you know it's more it's the really real, it's the really real. And until you experience it, I don't think that um, you have any idea. Mm-mm. No, you know and. We didn't originally when it was first coming through. I was just advised I was supposed to let it flow every time it wanted to come. And so I go back to that. Okay, so when it's ready to flow, I let it come. And the more you put yourself into that energy field, it harmonizes your energy field with higher consciousness energy field. Mm -hmm. So it's like entrainment. So, like, if if you walk into a room and someone's very meditative and calm and they just hold that demeanor, then everyone else in the room starts to calm down and they they will mimic what's happening there, right? They begin to entrain to that same level of energy. So light language works in the same way. It raises your vibration to higher consciousness and to truth and to light. And every time you put yourself into that field... And experience it, you are harmonizing your energy field with that of divine consciousness. You know, I think of it as, uh, which is why we call it a sound darshan, mm-hmm. because in the Hindu culture, a sound darshan is when you are in the presence of something auditory that is like the energy of the divine, is the energy of the holy. So when people go and make pilgrimages, to sacred sites, mm-hmm. and there's something energetically happening when they're doing that. Or when people make 
um, go on retreats with gurus or they go to visit gurus who are at a certain level of consciousness. Mm -hmm. They're receiving just by being in the presence Mm -hmm, of that. mm -hmm. I think light language is like that, Mm -hmm. that you're receiving just by being in the presence. And I know this is why you want to travel this around and expose it to more people outside of Lighthouse Mm -hmm. because you know that just by being in the presence of light language that people will be changed, Mm -hmm. which is a huge service Mm -hmm. to people. Um, And, and of course we've seen people participate in light language for a number of sessions and then realize that there now is language coming through their own meditative. Right. There's been deeper activation for them. Right. On whatever level it was supposed to, you know, supposed to present itself. And I know mm-hmm. that people ask, well, is this the same thing as tongues? Is this tongues? Is this tongues? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it seems like we, we may not know for certain the relationship, mm-hmm. right? But that tongues may be its own divine language mm-hmm. and light language may be another version. Mm-hmm. Is that Kind yeah. of where we sit with that yeah, today. That's, yeah, that's where we kind of sit with that. And um, I think just to be clear is that light language does not have like religious affiliation. And it's available to anyone and everyone regardless of your belief system. Um, so it's not something... I think that's that's the biggest difference with tongues in terms of where tongues comes through and how our society traditionally understands tongues. Um so I know that through our work together when, because it was shortly after you shared it with me that I realized that I cognitively understood the translations. And so then we began getting teachings mm-hmm. like from the other side, like literally you're speaking, I'm in a, my own trans mm-hmm. transcendental state, writing mm-hmm. down what's happening. Um, and so there's a, there's a huge teaching that is available around light language that we are working on getting out into the world. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, you just want as many people as possible to receive it. I do. I do. So you're really working on that YouTube channel. Working on the YouTube (laughs) channel. Yes. Working on the YouTube channel. And I'm actually, um, we had Darshan a couple weeks ago and the translation, I'm going to transcribe it. And I guess basically blog post it and share it. So it'll be on the website and it will go to our Facebook page as well. So that the teachings um, from the Darshans that we have here can be available to the public. So even if you haven't received um, the energetic value in your own receiving um, and activation from the experience, you can still receive from the teaching. You know, I have to say that I I get it. I get people come to um, conversations like this, and you should have a healthy dose of skepticism, Mm -hmm. 100%. Mm -hmm. Actually, I don't trust somebody that doesn't have skepticism. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's just um, a healthy dose of it is always important. Mm -hmm. But I think that... um, That the translations, I don't know that there's many people in the world who have a partnership that is as pure as this in terms of this work where there's a channeling taking on where the language is coming out and there's a translation that's happening. And we were told a long time ago that we speak the same spiritual dialect. Mm -hmm. We don't entirely know what that means, but that we are able to to do this in in combination, Mm -hmm. right? And so I think that's why it's so important to us that we 
for a person who is hearing it and they don't know what the heck has happened to them, they may have so much skepticism that they may never return to receive it again. Mm. Or they may say, oh, that felt so great. I'll be back next month. But if you can also give them a cognitive explanation Mm -hmm. or a translation or Mm -hmm. an interpretation Mm -hmm. of what has been said, Mm -hmm. then I think in some ways it gives somebody something to work with. It gives somebody some knowledge of, okay, although we've, we've decided that perhaps that's not always necessary to have the two together, mm-hmm. but that there's value in having the two mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. There is some value. So, you know, it, when we have Light Language Sandarshan here at Lighthouse, you come and you have your own personal experience. There's a little soaking time once the channel's closed. Then we each individually have the opportunity within the group to share what our personal experience was, whatever it was. Um, there's no judgment at all. And, and then um, I might share my impressions and Kendall will share the translation. You share the translation. So more times than not, the people in the room have experienced the same or similar pieces of pieces the, yeah. of the overall right yeah and it's very empowering when we sit in group like that and we're like wow look what just happened and you're right i mean there are people who are just kind of like i either i don't want to talk about what happened or i think this is a bunch of hooey or i can't wait to get out of the room i mean honestly i don't know that that's actually happened but it could have happened um and that's okay too um we just appreciate if you're curious to come to come experience for yourself. Yes, and in addition to that, um, uh, I wouldn't have chosen this far out shit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it chose us. Well, it's kind of funny because I think you and I have had this conversation many times where I struggled to come out of the spiritual closet, you know, leaving the accounting world. It was hard enough already. <laughs> right. I mean, Reiki was a hard enough conversation, right? And then it's just really gone down the road with into light language and shamanism and these things. And, and you know, to have conversation, intelligible conversation around it in like traditional forums and traditional groups. And it's a, it's, it's a challenge. It is, and yet I feel like we've been assigned to be pioneers in some ways, you know, in the Mm -hmm. region that we're in, Mm -hmm. and certainly um, that's a divine assignment, and and so that's part of it. You know, I've stood in front of people before who've wanted to interview me about one thing, and then they say, yeah, but don't mention that because people get really weird about that, and having to respect, okay, well, you know, Mm -hmm. in this situation, we won't mention that. Sometimes having to table some things, depending on who the audience is, mm-hmm. because the fact is, is as doing the type of work that we do, there's a lot of different levels of readiness for the client that mm-hmm. is going to come to us. We are not going, mm-hmm. you and myself, um, there is not a client necessarily like one client, like somebody who's this far down the road in their spiritual discovery. There's people who come to us. At the beginning of the transition, like you mentioned years ago when you were leaving accounting, Mm -hmm. and people who come to us much further down Mm -hmm. that road, Mm -hmm. and not even that that road is linear or that it has Mm -hmm. levels that Mm -hmm. one's greater than the other. Mm -hmm. Right. But so I do want to say that, that Mm -hmm. you're meeting the needs of people on a lot of different 
um, rungs of the ladder or or places on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Yeah, and I think that mir- that's mirrored in all the work that we do here is um, being here for for the uh, conversation in the community, the education, the experience around spiritual self-care in terms of whatever level you come to the table with. I mean, it's that's what a lighthouse is, right? It doesn't just um, shine light on the shore for the big ship or the little ship. It's for all the ships. Exactly. Right? Yeah, and you know, and I don't think that... Um... Even though you have a personal orientation where you feel that this is the path for you to kind of study and do your work, mm-hmm. I don't think that um, either you or I feel like we are not fundamental in the way that we deliver right. our beliefs or our gifts. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a path that resonates individually for each of us. Sometimes we cross the bridge to each other on that path, it's mm-hmm. very similar, mm-hmm. sometimes not so much. And we don't expect anybody who walks in the building to have to be on that exact same path or understand things. We're just not fundamentalists in that way. It's Mm -hmm. more of an asking of a lot of questions Mm -hmm. and just trying to assist in whatever opening is needed. Mm -hmm. So I do want to make that clear. Well said. Okay. (laughs) As Um, usual. So that kind of covers, does that cover all of what you're offering currently? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a couple just quick questions that I have to, there needs to be a get to know, get to know Debbie Chisholm. This will be like a round, like a fast, a fast. Oh, okay. One of those. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, because like I said, um, you, you know, are a fabulous listener and you can let people just, um, I've seen you before. I'm like behind you. I'm behind the person talking to you. I'm holding up the wrap it up sign. Find a way to wrap it up. They're going to hold you hostage for another hour. Um, no, but you do. You have a way of, um, of just being a good listener and being a calm presence. And so people don't know that there is like miniature volcanoes of passion and ideas and conversation <laughs> erupting. And some mornings... I am the first person to walk into that lava. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'll just lay here while you pour it on me. <laughs> we're just, you know, while we're, while we're paired up. Okay, so let's, so, so whereas I want to say she's really not that hard to get to know, um, we're going to make it easy. Okay, um, top three books that are, have got your attention right now. Um. Sophia Code, um, Keys of Enoch, Book of Knowledge, and the Urantia Book. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, favorite stress food? Popcorn. I was waiting to see. That's my favorite food, period. <laughs> she can make a mean bowl of popcorn. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm I'm thinking of a side business to sell the popcorn. There you go. Anyway. Well, come to the Spiritual Bazaar and we'll have popcorn for sale. Have you committed? Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. Okay. Um, uh, your favorite area to splurge on, um, like... Jewelry, or it's going to be crystals or stones. You tell the truth. <laughs> 
Um, favorite color? Purple or green. It's kind of a tie. So you like your world to look like an eggplant or an avocado? <laughs> yeah. Um, how about the, um, the thing that you go to when you need to, like the healthy habit that you have for de-stressing? Walking in the woods. I love to dance. And I'm trying to bring singing back online. You sure are. You keep bringing that up. <laughs> She's like, have you listened to the acoustics in our house? Um, I know that about you because I know when too much computer time and too much work overwhelm has happened. And if you get really weepy, what, you, what you're literally weeping about is, I need to go outside. <laughs> <laughs> need to go hug a tree. I need to dance more. Okay. Um, uh Another guilty pleasure. Let's, let's just like make you really human for a second. Just another guilty pleasure. Um, front porch ice cream, the caramel, the salted caramel. It's actually made here in Morrisville. Yes. So. And it's the bomb. I hope people have heard this. Oh my gosh. Okay. Salted caramel front porch. Mm -hmm. Um, favorite place to go sneak away or hide away to have, um, alone time since we know that you need a lot of alone time <laughs> the bathtub <laughs> i'm so glad you finally got one <laughs> we had a clawfoot tub out in the yard for way too long <laughs> okay um how about um the thing that will instantly make you weep every time makes you cry every time a hard one yeah that's a hard one <laughs> I don't have an answer for that oh my god I'd have like 45 answers like lickety split I don't have an answer okay what about um, since you are pretty slow to anger on the outside mm -hmm. kudos to you for that um, what about the thing that will get you the thing that will get you goat <laughs> every time um, what gets my goat? Well, this, I, okay. So getting, um, trying to have a serious conversation and someone not wanting to participate in a serious conversation, all they want to do is pick and be silly. Oh, that does get your goat. Mm -hmm. I got in trouble one time for that. <laughs> you did? I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> remember? I was making fun of your dog. Oh. Who coincidentally passed. See? <laughs> What happens when you're mean to my dog? <laughs> Hope you feel bad now. Uh, um, favorite favorite season of the year? Fall. Yeah, right now. Right now. Yep. Um, look, spiritual people have their favorite TV series too. Okay, wait, no, all right, now this <laughs> now. I landed on a new show last night. And it's called Ozark. And it's produced by Jason Bateman, and he stars in it. It's on Netflix. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. OMG. Okay. <laughs> I binge-watched like three episodes last night. I was like, what is this show? So Ozark, um, I like the Viking show on um, Hulu. Uh, I watched Bloodline, all those episodes. That's on Hulu, too. No, Netflix. Um, I like period and theme 
kind of series. Yeah. You do. Yeah. Fiction or nonfiction books? Nonfiction. Almost 100% yes. correct. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Will you enjoy a large candy bar every once in a while? Yes, you watched me um, stuff my face with one last night. Then as soon as I got it all in my belly, I was like, oh, why did I just do that? It's 5,000 calories, and it wasn't even that good. <laughs> How about the best thing about aging? Is that um, I'm more comfortable in my own skin. How about the suckiest thing about it? Um being stiff in the morning and not having the energy, but I'm working on that. I think that's what makes you weepy is the body vulnerabilities. Good point. Yes. It is. That's definitely what's been making me weepy of late, isn't it? Yes. So that's mm-hmm. that's an easy, easy there you one. Go. Um, let me think of three more. Three more would be um, something that makes you... Um, Again, we're humanizing you here. That makes you just really lose your patience. It used to be traffic. But I've gotten to the point where I'm a whole lot calmer. And I appreciate the fact that we're going slowly. Because maybe it means that um, I'm avoiding an accident being in an accident (laughs) or something. (laughs) I don't know. But traffic used to annoy me. Okay. See, as your friend, I have to be careful because I want to be like, what about this? <laughs> <laughs> so this is really why you're asking these questions. Like, hmm. Yeah, I want to see what your thing, answer is. Yeah, does this thing that I do really annoy her <laughs> secretly? No, that's not why. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, I've witnessed. <laughs> Here's one. If people keep going on and on and on and on and on and on, I've seen your patience way now. <laughs> it's very quiet, but I've seen it. Uh, especially if you're hangry. Oh, yeah. If I'm hangry, forget it. I can't focus on anything. Yeah. If you're hangry or it's a time for an afternoon nap, mm-hmm. peace out. Mm-hmm. Done. Checked out. Um, last question. Last question would be, what is the greatest three things about your life right now? Being able to follow my heart and do what I want to do. Um, I feel like there's a whole new chapter opening. Mm. A whole, not really a chapter, like a whole new book. I really feel like it's like past life, future life. Past, it's like everything up until this point is like, past life even though it's like in this current paradigm it does it feels like past life um um witnessing um people's joy when they step into our dream Mm. that's really powerful um that confirms for me every day that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. And what else? Did you say three? That's three. Yeah, that's three. three yeah. Okay. That's really good. Done. So I just wanted people to be able to get to know you a little bit better and get to know what it is that you're doing out of 
lighthouse um, because, you know, as we quietly um, take on our personal clients and they make referrals and if there's so many more people that if they knew what the, what the work was that, that you do individually, that I do individually, that we could just serve that many more people. And so, um, and, and just to see where your journey has been and where, where your passion is today. Mm-hmm. I know that we, we have friends who come, come in here and feel like they have found a, a friend who lives way out in the cosmos in terms of what you think is possible and what you study. And um, I think you even, uh, somebody said you have like an alien soul or something. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, to me is just that Aquarius energy of thinking beyond the boundaries and living beyond the boundaries and being very interested in innovation in this spiritual realm mm-hmm. and making things that, um, that possibly in other lives you couldn't safely live out, mm-hmm. making them safe to live out this time. Mm-hmm. So if you are a person who looks for a mentor who is that type of person, you need to call Lighthouse. You need to talk to Debbie. Mm-hmm. That's what I would say about that. And also, if you need somebody who's soft and um, going to really be able to be a good listener and um, you know hold the space, it's hard for me to say hold the space anymore because I watched something really funny about <laughs> that term recently. But I'm going to say it. Um, <laughs> then they need to call you. And that's it. Thank you for joining me today and letting me interview you. Thank you. It was actually fun. Was it? Yeah. Okay, good. It was fun. Well, we're going to have. Uh, the eighth. I don't know. Maybe you need to interview me. I think that's uh, the, what, exactly what we need to do. Okay. I'm up next. Thank you for joining Spiritual Charlotte Podcast, and we will talk to you next week. Bye, everybody.